Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomokohn at gmail.com. For this week's Mishnah, we begin with Perek Hey Mishnah Beis. So that's chapter five, Mishnah two. The Mishnah begins. Asara Doros. There are 10 generations from Adam HaRishon, the first man, Adam, Adam, to Noah, to Noah. Lehodia to teach us Kama Erech Lefanov, to show us a degree of his patience. And over here, when it says his, it's referring to God, to Hashem, to show up, to show us Hashem's patience. Shakala for all the generations angered him, Hashem, increasingly more and more each generation until he brought upon them the waters of the flood, the Mabel, the great flood, which destroyed the world. And with Noah and, and the ark, how, how Noah went into the ark for 40 days and 40 nights till the rain stopped. And then from there, he had to re, rebuild the world. It's interesting. As I mentioned last week, this chapter of, of this chapter of Mishnayis is a lot of a lot of things listed in 10. And it's not necessarily things that are have authors attributed to. And we explain the different reasons for that. So we're starting off this week with 10 generations from Adam Arishon until Noah. And the patience that Hashem had, that God had for these people even though that they were getting worse and worse every generation, Hashem still waited. God waited for them to do, to be better until it got to a point where he could not wait anymore, where enough was enough and he had to punish them. We should, it's, it's worthwhile to note the different generations that we're referring to over here. So the first generation is Adam Arishon. And then the next generation is Shase. The third is Enosh. The fourth is Canaan. The next one is Mahalalel to Yered. The seventh is Hanoch. The eighth is the generation of Mishushelach. The ninth is Lomech. And the tenth generation is Noah. Now, one thing which the Torah gets accused of being sometimes, and it's a major misunderstanding, is that many people say, and it's taught to many people, unfortunately, that the Torah is a history book. That just like you have the history of the world, you know, Britannica, or the different uh, Josephus, that they wrote different hist- histories of, of ancient times. So the Torah is also... A history book. Now, one thing from the Mishnah, which we see clearly is that, the, you're right, the, the Torah does list historical facts, but that's not the point of the Torah. The Torah is not meant to be a, a something that we look in to tell us what happened in the past. It's more than that. We will have events that happen to us that are of importance that we should learn from, but it's only 
to learn from, to go forward, to use to be better. And that's an idea which is being expressed in this Mishnah. Because we're not just saying 10 generations. We're explaining why it's necessary to list these 10 generations to begin with. Because it's not just for us to know that Adam had a child, Shase, and he had a child uh, of, of Enosh, and so on and so forth. Is that there's something more here that we need to learn. There's a deeper meaning to things. There's, there's something for us to gain from. And what we're gaining here is that this, the patience of God. And it really takes me back to this other point that if you buy anything today, whatever you buy, it come, there's a good chance. There's a good chance that it comes with an instruction manual. And the more complicated the device is to use, the bigger the instruction manual will be. If you get a little blender, it comes with like a 20-page instruction manual. If you get a new television, it'll be a little bigger. If you buy a new car, it's about this thick, an inch or two. If you have a if you have a F-15 jet, it probably comes with even a huge instruction manual. Now, it only makes sense. Hashem put us in this world to get closer to him, to be better, to accomplish. Now, it only makes sense that he gives us the instruction manual for us to accomplish that goal. He, he doesn't just put us here, figure it out on our own. He gave us the Torah. The Torah is our blueprint. It's our guide. And if you look at the word Torah, Torah means tour, to teach, that the Torah is our teacher. It's an it's a instruction manual for life, a guidebook for life, something that can give us insight into every situation and scenario that we, we, may, be, that we may be presented with. And this is just something I wanted to point out in the Mishnah because, you know, many times people have this misconception. It's been told to me in the past that people I have met in passing and we've had different conversations about Judaism. And when I explain to people that the Torah is a Torah schayim, a living Torah, that we, the, we use Torah to teach us how to live and to how to conduct ourselves and to how to be better people, and how it's this instruction manual that we're, we're talking about now, there's a certain level of surprise. And one individual I'm thinking of specifically when I had this conversation, he said, you know, that really wasn't how it was taught to me as when I was a child, when I was in Hebrew school. When I was in Hebrew school, Torah was taught as a subject. It was a history book. It was something that happened in the past. Maybe I'm a little bit, you know, it's like George Washington, and then you have the stories of Avram Avinu. But this Mishnah is teaching us it's more than that. Because even though these generations are listed in the, in the, in the Torah, it's not just for historical fact. It's teaching us something more. That Hashem has patience. God waits for people to repent. If we take, if we look at the actual teaching of this Mishnah, how each generation got successively worse and how Hashem waited for them to be better, we see that Hashem is a merciful God. It's not God the terrorizer. Many times we, we tend to only recognize Hashem, to recognize God, when things aren't going well for ourselves. And it's 
it's really it's a false conception because if we we if we would think about things, all the good things that are going right in our lives every moment, and each and every one of us have things that are going right in our lives. You're right. Maybe we do have challenges and things that are hard for us. I'm not taking away from that, but we all have good things going for us. Number one is we're alive. Number two is we can interact with others. For some of us, we have we all have our needs taken care of, hopefully. We all have good things in our lives. We have friends, we have family. Are we consciously thinking that it's Hashem who's the one who gave us these things? Or we only think that we think about Hashem when something bad happens, then we get locked out of our house, or we get a flat tire, we say, or or someone's sick. Say, God, why do you have to do this to me? Why do you have to do this to me for? Because it's Hashem is a merciful God. He is a caring God. And we're actually going to see in, in the coming weeks, we get to the next Mishnahs that explain this idea of a person being tested and, and being pushed, how it's really for the good. I'm not going to get into that now, but it's something that we will discuss. So the first thing we see is that Hashem waits. He's merciful. He waits for the wicked to do teshuva, which is repent. And I just wanted to, to show regarding the patience of Hashem, some of us are familiar with the Yud Gimel Midos Harachamim, the 13 attributes of God's mercy. On Yom Kippur, and even before Yom Kippur, during the days leading up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we say special prayers. And some of the prayers that we say, one in particular, which is extremely powerful that we know that God will always answer us when we call out in this prayer is the Yud Gimomidus Harachamim, the 13 attributes of God's mercy. And in the prayer, it talks, it lists the different parts, the different facets of God's mercy, of God's patience, and how Hashem is a good God and he wants us to do teshuva. Being that our mission is discussing this idea, I feel it's only appropriate for us just to quickly just go through it so we could have a little bit of an understanding what the, the patience of God and how he waits for us to come back to him. And the amount of, of self-restraint that he, can, that he exerts with us. So let's go through it very quickly. So it's Hashem Hashem, Kel Rachum V'chanon, Erech Apayim V'Rav Chesed V'Emes, Neitzer Chesed L'Alofim, Neitzer Elvim V'Feshe V'Chatov V'Nakei. I'm going to go through it now in English. So Hashem, Hashem connotes in, in that spelling, it refers to the attribute of mercy bestowed upon his creatures even before a sin is committed. The second time that it says Hashem, God, God's name. It refers to the bestowal of mercy after a sin is committed, making it possible for a sinner's repentance to be accepted. Kel, it's the name of God that connotes that he's, he is sustaining all creatures. Rachom, Hashem is merciful. Even, while, even when he does punish Hashem, he doesn't just obliterate a person. He still lets him exist. V'chanon, he's a gracious God. He's compassionate to even those who are undeserving. Erech Hashem's long, God is long to anger. He waits for people to do teshuva, to repent. For Rav Chesed, 
He's generous and kind, right? If the, if the scale is perfectly balanced between sins and, and good deeds, I, God will tip the scale to good. The MS, God brings his word to actuality. He gives rewards even to sinners for their good deeds. Everyone gets their reward. He guards a person's merits for generations. He sustains. He even sustains the evil produced. If a person commits a sin, he sustains it. And even sins that are done on purpose, the chaton, even those that are done rebellious, God will still sustain them. And what, what does that mean? It means that if someone, for example, turn a light on on Shabbos, God will still let that light be, meaning he, he'll let it exist. And Hashem cleanses us. So we see from the 13 attributes that there's a, God has a tremendous amount of patience and he waits for people to come back to him. Another point to bear out is that many times we might look at people and say, how is it that this wicked person could enjoy such a good life? He's not getting punished. And we've discussed before different reasons for this. It's a famous question. But we should also have in mind that God is a patient God. Just because something is not happening to a person, could be Hashem is waiting for him to do teshuva, to repent, to be better. Or maybe he's waiting for a righteous child that's going to be coming out of this person. And therefore, God is letting this person be in this world still, and he's sustaining him until that person comes about. So there's a, there's a greater plan that we realize, and we have to recognize that. There's, so we said, we, we just were discussing how Hashem has patience. God has tremendous amount of patience for people to come around and to be better. He waits, and we discuss the different attributes that, I, that, that he has. Now, there is a flip side here that has to be discussed. It's the fact that after a certain amount of time, justice has to be meted out. That, would, Like we said, is that God is a true God, and everybody is going to have a reckoning after 120 of, of what we did or what we didn't do. And there is a limit of how long God will wait for a person to come around. As we see that even though God waited 10 generations, it wasn't forgotten the bad that all these generations had done. And it came to a certain point where Hashem had to destroy the world. So the point is, is that there's this balance. You have, you have mercy, but at the same time, there's din as well, justice. That God does not forget. Hashem does not forget. Everything is accounted for. And this is for good things as well. When we do a mitzvah, it will never be forgotten. If we do a sin, God forbid, it will not be forgotten. We have time to fix things up. But if we don't get our act together and do what we need to do to make things better, we will be held accountable for it. So you might ask yourself now, we just discussed how you had 10 generations where Hashem was waiting for everybody to do better, to, to become better, to do teshuva. And then he had to destroy the world. So maybe you'll think to yourself now, that what should me, myself, and I, I am wherever I am, and I'm just one person. How is it possible for me by myself to affect change in the whole world? All I can do is be better myself. How can I change the whole world and make the world a better place? If I know that my generation are doing things incorrectly, 
the place where I live, many people are doing things wrong. What am I supposed to do about it? What's my attitude? Should, what should my attitude? What should I do? It's a valid question. What should be our outlook when we're in a situation where everyone around us is doing the wrong thing? And there is a level where we're judged collectively as well, that whatever a generation could be doing, a whole generation can get punished. So what should me as an individual, what should be my outlook? Now, there's a famous parable which is told that there was once a man who wanted to change the whole world. And he lived in a little village. So he decided he's going to go and he's going to change the whole world. And he started doing things, whatever he could think of. He said he's going to change the world. So he went out and he's going to try to do that. After a short amount of time, he realizes that I can't change the whole world. But you know what? I'm going to change my village. So he tries to change his village. Doesn't work. After a little bit, he realizes, you know what? I can't change my village. I'm going to change my family. Does whatever he does to try to change his family. Different ideas, different programs, different incentives. Doesn't work. Sina says, you know what? I can't change my family. I'm going to change my wife. So he tries to change his wife. Let's just say that didn't go too well. And he realizes, I can't change my wife. But you know what? I'm going to change myself. And after slowly but surely, he decides he works on himself and he becomes better. He becomes a different person. He becomes a role model for the people around him. Before you know it, he sees a change in his wife. And his wife's a different person. And after a little more time, he sees that there's a difference in his family. His family is starting to act differently. After a little bit more time, he sees that the whole village is starting to change. And then from the village, the whole country starts to change until it gets to a point where he changes the world. So what's the lesson for us going back to our original question? Is that you're right. We can't change the world, but we can change ourselves. When we change ourselves, we're changing the world because you don't realize that when you do something good, when you're a role model, when you strive to be better, when you grow, when you, people notice, people see, and it's, it creates a change in you, which affects everyone around you. And you might not see it. It might not be so obvious to you. But it's happening. So that's just one outlook a person could have when when we're in a situation where we think, what can I do to affect change? And it's actually interesting because the Mesil Sharim, Moshe Chaim Lutzato, in Mesil Sharim writes, he asks the question as follows. We all know that we want Mashiach, but what's an individual supposed to do to bring about the Mashiach? How can I, my me, the little me, bring salvation to the Jewish people and the world? 
So he says the following. That all you have to do is try. Because the results are up to God. And it could be that all Hashem wants is for you to show that you care. Is it going to make Mashiach come faster or not? It could be it will make Mashiach come faster. It really could. A person could, one person could bring Mashiach. But that's not the point necessarily. The point is, is that you're doing yours. You're showing Hashem that I want Mashiach to come. And Hashem will do the rest. What he wants to do, he knows, he can, he can see all. He's infinite. God has a plan. Is he going to bring it now? Is he going to bring it later? It's his domain. But we are doing our part. So we could take this idea and put it to our mission as well. When we're in a situation where we see people around us not doing good, and we think, what good is my action? How can I change the status quo? Sometimes our job is not to change the status quo, but to try. Just try. What the results will be eventually is Hashem's decision. God will take care of that. But maybe Hashem just wants you to try, to give it your best, to do the best you can. That's an idea which we, we could take out of this Mishnah. And there's finally a third idea to answer our question is that there's something called the butterfly effect. And I've discussed this many times that if a butterfly flaps its wings somewhere in the Indian Ocean, sorry, somewhere in South America, it can make a tsunami in India. And this spiritually, we believe in this as well. Because when a person does a mitzvah, wherever you may be, it has effects in the spiritual worlds that can cause a, a spiritual tsunami somewhere else. So your action, wherever you may be, wherever you may find yourself, may cause someone to be inspired in another part of the world, which can have a chain reaction and lead to something much greater than we realize. So these are just three answers to our original question of what we can do to change the world despite what may be going on around us. So I just want to give a quick review from this Mishnah. Point number one, the Torah is not a history book. True, it does give us important historical facts, but it is a, it is a instruction guide for life. It is our Torah Shaim. It is a living Torah. It is something we should use to show us how to handle every scenario and every situation. Number two, the patience of God. Hashem waits for us to do teshuva. And we saw through the 13 attributes of the 13 attributes, Yud Gimel Midas Harachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy, of mercy, how Hashem waits for us to do teshuva. He wants us to, to repent. He doesn't want to punish us. He's a loving God. And how it's important for us to remember all the good that Hashem does for us. And not just when things are going bad, 
do we say God the terrorizer? God, why did you have to do this to me? We have to recognize on a day-to-day basis all the goodness that Hashem has bestowed upon us. And each and every one of us have goodness that Hashem is bestowing on us. Number three, what can we do in a world or if we're in a place where they're not doing the right thing? We're in a generation where people are not following the word of God. How can I, as an individual, affect change that can change the whole world? And to answer that, we have three points. Number one is that the story of the man who wanted to change the whole world, and he only realized that by changing himself, he could change the whole world. So when we do what we need to do, when we spoke what we're supposed to be doing, we don't realize it, but we're changing the people around us and the world around us. Number two is that there's an aspect of doing all that we can to try and what the eventual results will be is up to God. And that's what Hashem wants us to do, to show that we're trying. We're trying to make the world a better place. If we will be successful or not, is not up to us. It's up to God. Number three was the butterfly effect. That when we do something, wherever we may be in the world, just like a little butterfly flaps its wings, can make a tsunami in, in another part of the world. So when we do a good deed, or we learn Torah, wherever we may be, it can cause a spiritual tsunami in the upper worlds, which can affect other people, other places, and cause a cataclysmic change in the world that we might not even realize that it's from us. That are just some of the ideas that we could see from this Mishnah. And that's going to finish for today's Mishnah. Hope everyone enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlamokon at gmail.com.